Okay, let's look at our scripture. And our, this is our last installment of our sermon series, Close Encounters with the Christ. And this is Matthew 9, 9 through 13. This is the calling of the tax collector named Matthew. And Jesus passed from there, on from there, and he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And Matthew rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house of Matthew, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of, of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. The word of the Lord. Well, I need to come clean with you, congregation. Uh, I am not who I say I am. I'm actually not named Carlos Rodriguez, but rather Phil Winkelstein, and I am part of the Witness Protection Program. My wife is not Lee Ellen, but rather Vivian. Uh, we're from Queens with our kids Ralphie, Joey, and Madge. I've had surgery done. I actually used to look very similar to Robert Redford, uh, but instead had a change. And you see why this happened was I snitched on the mob in New York. I, I used to be a hitman for the mob. And uh, I fingered the mob and so they went ahead and they put me in uh, witness protection and they tried to figure out where would be the, the place where no one else would look for Phil Winkelstein. And they thought a mild-mannered pastor in Virginia Beach would be the way to go. And so lo and behold, here I am. That's my identity. The truth is that we all have an identity, don't we? A real identity, not a joking identity, an identity that we have forged through the choices that we have made. Matthew had one. He was Matthew, the tax collector, a traitor to his people. And he was living out his life in the choices that he made when Jesus saw him. And he approached him and he said these two words, only two words, follow me. And Matthew saw the opportunity for a new identity to instead of being a tax collector to be transformed into a follower of Christ. Not just a title change but a transformation of identity from the inside out. From then on Matthew was never the same. Jesus is in the business of changing people's identities. And in the same way as he approached Matthew, he approaches us as well. And he says those same two words, follow me. For he wants to give us a new identity. The question is, will we receive it? For if we do, if we respond to Jesus' call to follow him, our lives will never be the same. See, Jesus wants to give us a new heart that brings a new love for God and a new love for people. And if we submit to his love, we submit to his call, our lives will never be the same. So we need to unpack this call to see how it transformed Matthew. There's really two different actors in this story. My first point is Matthew's response to Jesus. 
How did Matthew respond to this call? And my second point is the Pharisees' response to Jesus. How did they respond to seeing Jesus giving this call to Matthew? So let's begin with point number one, Matthew's response to Jesus. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. Matthew's Jewish name is Levi. He's a Jew and he's a tax collector. Tells us a bunch of things about Matthew. The first is that he's a traitor to his own people. The Romans employed Jews uh, in different cities to become tax collectors and that's because they knew everybody in the town. They would know their occupation. They would know what they made. They'd be able to be more effective at wringing taxes out of people. He was a, a traitor uh, because he worked for Rome. He did not work for the Jewish people. But he was also a traitor to himself because he knew the law. He knew that he wasn't supposed to defraud people. He knew he wasn't supposed to live a life like this, but he chose it anyways because it was a good living. See, Matthew was a tax collector and he was also a thief because the way tax collection worked was the Romans would give you a certain amount of taxes that you were supposed to bring in. But anything you could get over those taxes, and nobody knew what that number was, Matthew could skim off the top and he could make his own. So Matthew was a thief, the most hated person probably in all of Capernaum. And he was sitting at the tax booth, going about his life, living in the choices that he had made when Jesus saw him. And he said to him, follow me. Now we need to understand those words, follow me. It wasn't simply a, hey, come on, we're going somewhere. It was the words that a rabbi would give to someone that he wanted to make his disciple. See, the rabbis of the day, the religious leaders, the religious teachers, would take apprentices, disciples. And it was a long, arduous process by which people were vetted out, if you will. It started at a young age when they would go to religious school. And the, the people that showed great aptitude of learning and, and great character would move on to the next level. And there was a next level and so on and so on until only the best, only those with the sharpest minds who understood the law would have the opportunity where a rabbi would come and say, follow me. And what's astounding is Jesus is turning this entire process on its head because he's going to about the last, literally the last person that any rabbi would ask to follow him. Matthew, the tax collector, the thief and the thug and saying, follow me, I want you to be my disciple. The reaction of the Pharisees and the reaction of the rabbis and of the crowd must have been astounding. But what was even more astounding was this. And it says, and Matthew rose and followed him. Luke 5.28, a parallel account of this story, says, and leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Think about that, leaving everything. Matthew left his profession. He left his income stream. He left his position of privilege that the Romans gave him. Indeed, he left his very identity to follow Jesus. What could have possessed Matthew to respond to this call from Jesus? 
The answer was simply this, that Jesus gave him dignity and value. See, Matthew most likely knew about Jesus. His hometown, his base of ministry was Capernaum. And so he saw the crowds that gathered, these ginormous crowds, to see Jesus and hear him teach. And here was this man, this great learned teacher, this holy man, coming to him, Matthew, and saying, I want you to be my disciple. And he conferred upon him dignity and value that Jesus would actually believe in me, Matthew, the thug tax collector. And so he went because Matthew knew that he was living an empty life in that instant when Jesus said, follow me. He'd tried religion before, growing up in the religious ways of the people, but he found that wanting. And so he was living an irreligious life. But it was empty. And so he had the hope of a new life put before him when Jesus Christ said, follow me. And so he did. Now we also have to ask the question, what possessed Jesus to call somebody like Matthew? We can only come up with one simple answer. Jesus loves sinners. He loves sinners. The scriptures say that God looks at the outward appearance. Excuse me, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. He looked at Matthew's heart and he loved him. It says something about Jesus, God's son. And it tells us about the nature of God. What's he really like? You know, in the Old Testament, God speaks of his nature and his character. I love when Moses says, show me your glory. And God says, I will show you myself. And as he hides him in the cleft of the rock and walks past him, he proclaims who he is. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's God's character. He's compassionate. He's gracious and kind. He doesn't, he's not capricious. He doesn't have a temper. He doesn't get angry at the smallest thing. Rather, he's slow to anger and he's abounding in love and faithfulness. Micah 7, 18 put it this way. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. Do you think of God that way? That he delights to show mercy? There's nobody like him who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of his inheritance. It said when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus gives us, he tells us his very mission, why he's come to do what he's done, why he calls the Matthews of the world in Matthew 9, 12. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. See, Jesus reveals to us that he's a doctor Messiah. He's a Messiah who's a doctor. 
who's not come to punish, but rather he's come to heal. He's not come to condemn, but rather he's come to call. He's come to people who are sick and hurting in their hearts, who have made bad choices and continue to rebel against him, and he wants to woo them with his love. And what does that mean for us? We search the world looking for someone to give us dignity and value. And the world says if you have accomplishments, if you have possessions, if you have acquired a reputation, then you're worthy of dignity and value. But otherwise, forget it. But you're not worthy of dignity and value just because you exist. But you see, God sees us that way. And the very thing we need is to be uh, answered. We need God to bestow upon us dignity and value because it's only our Creator who can affirm our very existence. It's only getting a good word from our Creator that can create peace in our hearts. My heart may be black and yours may be too, but Jesus is the Dr. Messiah. He came for Matthews of the world and he came for me, for he came to seek and save the lost. One of the interesting things about being a pastor is as I go out into the world, I try not to tell people what I do for a living as long as possible. One of my great hobbies, I enjoy playing pickleball. I don't know if you've heard about pickleball, fastest growing sport in America. And it's, uh, it's kind of like a small court tennis. And so I play up the, up the road where, uh, at the VBTCC and they have a bunch of courts and I get out there and I get to play. But I try not to tell new people what I do for a living. Because as soon as they find out what I do for a living, they begin to apologize <laughs> for their language because they didn't realize that I was a pastor. As if to say they would have changed uh, you know, what they would have said if they realized they were a pastor, because I represent God to them. And God is the God that comes along with a finger and, and a fist to give punishment. Surely God does not come for people who are tax collectors and thugs. But you see, the truth of the matter is he's a doctor, Messiah. You may feel that I'm too far from God. That if he really knew who I was, that he would not have any compassion, any understanding for me. It would be the finger. It would be anger. It would be condemnation. But Jesus came for the Matthews of the world, and he came for you and me. So do you want a new identity? One that has dignity and one that has value. One in which Jesus says to you and me, follow me, be my disciple. We can follow Jesus right now, leave our old life and enter into a new identity. Matthew did and we can too. That was Matthew's response to Jesus. Which brings me to my second point, the Pharisees' response to Jesus. And we see 
As Jesus, verse 10, reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Luke 5.29 expands upon that. It says, And Levi made him a great feast in his house. Levi threw a party in his house, a great feast, and he invited the people that he knew to come see Jesus. And who are the people that would hang out with Matthew? Tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes. And so there's this group of people and Jesus is hanging out with them. Verse 11, and when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? The Pharisees are incensed. They're confounded by the behavior of this supposed rabbi, this great teacher. Now we need to understand, we've talked about who Matthew is. Well, who is, are the Pharisees? Why are they acting like this? The word Pharisee, means to separate. They're the separate ones. See, the Pharisees looked at the priesthood and they looked at the uh, lax discipleship of the people of Israel and they said, we have to do something different. We can't act like this. We have to be holy. And so they separate themselves from the people. And their goal was to follow the letter of the law. And in fact, they made laws over laws so they could go ahead and make sure they were following the law. They devised these rules. But as they were so focused on following the letter of the law, they neglected the heart. All they cared about was all of the rules that they were keeping. And as they did so, they began to have such a high opinion of themselves and such a low opinion of others. I don't know if you remember that parable where Jesus tells a parable of a tax collector and a Pharisee going to the temple to pray. And the reason he told that parable, he leads with this, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. See, these Pharisees were looking at this conglomeration of tax collectors and sinners and saying they don't follow the law. Therefore, they deserve God's wrath. And so they questioned Jesus. Why are you eating with these tax collectors and these sinners? See, they have a radically different view of the Messiah. He's not a doctor Messiah at all. He's one who came to give out gold stars and to punish evildoers. Now, of course, the Pharisees are hypocrites. They don't realize, they can't see that they need Jesus just as much as these other people. But one of the results of their Phariseeism is they don't care about people who do need Jesus. It's ironic that Matthew is actually more like Jesus than the Pharisees. This uh, passage where it says, and, Matthew, and Levi made Jesus a great feast in his house, the word great feast is actually reception. That's the Greek word. He threw a reception. And why does one throw a reception? Well, it's so someone can receive them. So Jesus could receive them and they could meet Jesus personally and they could see why Matthew had decided to follow him and to leave everything. See, Matthew is all about bringing lost people to Jesus. And the Pharisees 
could not care less. They want to keep them away from Jesus. And so Jesus rebukes them, doesn't he? He says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I'm sure the rabbis couldn't believe this when Jesus said, go away and learn what this means. What does it mean, I desire mercy and not sacrifice? comes from Hosea 6.6, 6, where the actual Hebrew says, I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, meaning the sacrifices in the temple. In other words, you, I desire your, your commitment to me in your heart rather than just following all of the Levitical laws of sacrifice. But the translation from the Hebrew to the Greek actually translates steadfast love as mercy. See, what Jesus is saying is this steadfast love that you have for God also has a horizontal dimension. If you really love me, what I desire is not just that you would love me, but that you would love others like you love me. See, love for God leads to love for others. Matthew is doing it, and the Pharisees are not. And so Jesus said to the Pharisees, go and learn what this means. In other words, you've got it all wrong. It's about loving the lost and bringing them to me, not turning them away. So we have to ask ourselves the question, are you like Matthew or are you like the Pharisee? If you're a Christian, it's easy in this day and time to feel good about oneself. I go to church, I tithe, I keep my nose clean, I behave. I don't watch those movies. I don't go to those places. I don't engage in those conversations. But if we're not careful, all of that can become our rules and our regulations. And we can find our righteousness in that rather than Jesus Christ and begin to look down on others, to not even want to associate with them. Are you familiar with the term Christian bubble. Do you live in one where the only people I know are people like me, Christians? I don't know other people who are not believers, who don't believe the same things that I do. Jesus did not live in a Christian bubble, and neither should we. So take a look at your friends. Jesus was friends with tax collectors and prostitutes. Who are you friends with? If you held a reception for Jesus Christ, who would you invite? How do we live more like Matthew and Jesus? The first thing is we have to get out of our bubble. You know, one of the things I was most excited about for Easter, I enjoyed the Easter service so much, but the thing that made me most excited was that some of my neighbors came. And one of my pickleball buddies, who's not a believer, came with his son. 
to hang out and to hear about Jesus Christ. And why did they come? They came because I'm friends with them. And I invited them. And I've taken the time to get outside of my bubble to hang out with people that may not believe the same things that I do. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And that is the spirit of this church. For that is the spirit of Christ who inhabits it. So I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, if God has reached into your life like he reached into Matthew's and given you a new identity and given you dignity and value, then do the same thing that Jesus did and the same thing that Matthew did and take the time to get to know people. The person that works in the office next to you the person who bags your groceries at the grocery store. The person who knits and tailors your clothes. The bartender. What are their names? What are their stories? Go into their world and then invite them into yours. Because Jesus gives us a new heart that loves God and loves other people. It was Matthew that day that figured it out. And so let us be like Matthew. Tax collectors and thugs rather than Pharisees. Let's pray. God, thank you that you sent Jesus who came into our world, who came into my world and came close to me and said, in the midst of my darkness and in the midst of my shame, follow me. Jesus, it's you that can give us a new identity, one that has dignity and value. It's you who is the light of the world. And so God, help us as people who have been saved from the darkness to reach our hand to those out to those around us, to love them like Matthew loved them, like you love them. And let us step into their world and show the love of Christ that they might come into ours and hear the gospel and turn and believe and have dignity and value in you as well. We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen.